Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. But if you have your Bibles, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, let me read. Uh, and if your Bible is like mine, I'm reading from the NIV. It starts off with the word therefore. And so I've got to backtrack a little bit and go to Hebrews 11. And I'm going to start in verse 33. If you remember, Hebrews 11 is one of the greatest chapters in the Bible called the Hall of Faith. For those watching last night, we have... Dwayne Wade down here in South Florida who was inducted into the Hall of Fame, but here in Hebrews 11, we have the Hall of Faith. Mentions many great people, men and women, who had great faith. In fact, as my dad was preaching last week, I was sitting there listening, and I'm an avid note taker. Any any note takers out here? Note takers, great. You wanna be great in the kingdom of heaven and have a big house? Uh, Then take notes. Um, That's that's a joke, but you you never know. You never know. God's like, all these note takers, here's the mansions, you know. All those who didn't take notes, uh, tent city in in, in heaven, okay. Uh, So um, he was was tearing out, just jotting out a bunch of things. And, you know, I think I'd like to consider myself, I was telling all those who are in our growth track this morning, I tend to be a very worry-free person. I don't worry about much. And God was like, let me give you new language for that. I don't want you to live a worry-free life. I want you to live a faith-filled life. I want you to have some faith. That's what it is, God. I don't just, don't worry about anything, but no, I want to have faith for everything. I was, I was awesome. My dad was, my dad still preaches to me. He will always preach to me. And uh, the question is, do I receive it? Yes, I receive it always. So verse 33, he's talking about the hall of faith. Many people, men and women who were great. Verse 33, it says, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and rooted for foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released. Refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned and they were sawed in two. They were put to death by the sword. Verse 38, or verse 37, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Look at verse 38. The world was not worthy of them. And I've heard that in so many books or movies. The world was not worthy of them. Wow. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. They were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us, they would be made perfect. Now we get to chapter 12. The first word of chapter 12 is what? Somebody say, therefore. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us, what's it say? Run. Some of you are going to tune out real quick because we're going to talk about running. Let us what? 
run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You all, you all have seen this movie, so go back with me. I'm going to give you a movie illustration. Forrest Gump. The movie starts off with him sitting in this, this uh, bench, bus bench with this lady talking about, you know, Jenny and box of chocolates. That's where that famous phrase comes from. Life is like a bunch of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And then he goes and starts talking about miracles. And he's like, miracles happen every day. And he goes to this scene and it flashes back to him and Jenny. And it's just something you have to know about Forrest. Forrest, when he was little, he had, he had a crooked back. So crooked, it looked like a question mark is what he said. And he had to get these, these leg braces. And so he, he, he was walking around, you know, like that. And there's a scene where him and Jenny are walking home from school and there's these bullies throwing rocks at him and forces to get away. So what does Jenny tell him? Run! But he can't run because he's got these knee, knee braces. He, he can kind of run, but he's, he's just trying to run. He's trying to run. But he's got these knee braces that are hindering him from, from doing what he needs to do. And he's got these people behind him who are keeping him from living a life that he's supposed to live. And he's trying to run, and he's trying to run, and he's trying to run. And this is a beautiful scene. It brings me to tears every time I see it. Seriously. I'm watching it, and I'm just like... <laughs> And little Forrest is running and running and the music starts coming in. Man, they get me with that music. Oh, just, as soon as the music starts and he's running, he's running, all of a sudden, what happens to his leg braces? They start to break off. And eventually they, they fall off and eventually Forrest runs. And Jenny over there, the cheerleader, what is she saying? She's saying, run, Forrest, run. You know, life for us as believers is a race. It's, we're running. Some are doing it really well, and some of us are really struggling to run. So can I be your cheerleader today? Can I be your Jenny today? And I've titled this morning's message, Run, Christian, Run. I want to be an encouragement to you this morning. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. You are so good. You are so great. And I thank you for the, for the time of worship that we just got to partake in. God, it's so beautiful declaring who you are. You're so good. You never give up. I could, I could shout that all day, that you are so good and you never give up. Then I sing about how worthy you are, God, and one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to heaven and I'm gonna, the crown that you've given me, I'm going to lay down at your feet. The crown that I receive at the end of this race, I'm going to throw it at your feet. I'm so excited, God, for that moment. And then to sing about what you did and who you are. Get fired up about that, Father. And so I pray today that everybody listening online here in this room, would they be encouraged to never stop running the race that is marked out for us. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Tell the person next to you to run, Christian run. Do I have anybody uh, out here that you love setting goals? You're like a, you're like a goal you know, you got a list, you got a thing in your, in your, I think we love setting goals. I think we get high off setting goals, by the way. I really mean that. We love it. And, and some of the goals we set are just unreachable. But we don't care because nobody follows through with asking you, did you complete your goal? Right, we set resolutions in January 1st. But, you know, I'm going to tell you all that I'm going to do. And I love telling you what I'm going to do. 
but please do not follow through with if I follow through with them, okay? Don't ask me two weeks from now. Don't ask me four weeks from now. And as long as nobody follows through with whether or not you follow through, millions of people are gonna continue to set goals that they'll never reach because we love it and it's great. And, and I'm gonna lose 100 pounds this year. And, but you're 150 pounds. How are you gonna lose 100 pounds? What are you gonna go back to your middle school weight? I mean, these are the goals that we set. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast and pray for 60 days. I'm not going to eat food or water. You will probably die. And you should make the resolution that you're going to lose 100 pounds because if you do that, you might lose 100 pounds, right? But we set these goals. We set these resolutions. Let's be honest. Um, some of us, uh, we're as proud as we are in declaring them. Um, we, we don't really follow through with them. We set goals that we knew we set last year that we planned to set the year before that. And we thought about the year before that. And now we're four years into this and we're thinking, this year is the year. This is my goal. I remember when I was 19 years old, I set a goal and told God, I said, Lord, I'm all in. All in. I give you everything that I have. I give you my life, and I'll go where you want me to go. That's what I told him. I said, God, I'll go where you want me to go. That same week, somebody came up to me and said, hey, there's a church in Georgia might be looking for a youth pastor. Would you be interested in coming up to Georgia? And I said, God, I'll go anywhere. Just please don't send me to Georgia. I mean, just like that. Like, I've, I've told God, Lord, I'm all in. And I specifically said, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And then somebody says, how about you go here? And I'm like, how about not? I don't think, I think that's the enemy speaking, not God speaking, okay? Uh, but this is, this is, this is kind of how we live, right? How many of us, if we have 100% followed through with everything that we've promised? Well, that's not true. We've never thought about giving up. We never thought about once doubting. We never thought about once throwing in the towel. We never thought about looking back or diving back into that sin. God, I'm going to leave sin forever. And that's a great goal. Christian in the room, is that reality? No. In fact, Ecclesiastes 7.9 says, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. So a wise person understands this statement. They understand, yes, I want to leave and abandon and crucify all that sin, but I understand I live in a world of sin. And me, myself, there's sinfulness in me. Now, does that justify my actions? Certainly not. Does that justify the means in which I can just simply do what I want to do and avoid how I'm really supposed to live? No. But we have a tendency to look at those who have failed and then tell ourselves that I'll never succeed. Look at how many people, there's no chance that I'm going to make it because look at everybody else who hasn't made it. Is that a way to live? Is that a way to set goals? Nobody else has accomplished this, so I'm going to do it. A couple days in, nobody's accomplished this, so I can't do it. You know, if you look at what I do, what me and my dad do, pastor, you look at that profession, how many have failed? So for me, I guess my attitude should be it's not a matter of when. Or not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. What kind of attitude is that to have? Tell my wife that. <laughs> That's not a way to live. But yet there are so many, yes, some have failed, but there are many that have won. There, have, there are many who have done it well. And today, that's, that's what I want to look at. That's what I want to focus on. Why, why, why do I share these things? Because you have to remember the Jewish people who have left Judaism, now stepped into this newfound faith of Jesus, are being convinced to go back to how it was. They want to throw in the towel. I just got saved, and this is all great, but my girlfriend just broke up with me, and God, you told me that this wouldn't happen, and now this happened. I just lost my job. I was better living in sin. 
And this is what the Jewish people are experiencing. Persecution, condemnation. People are laughing at them, accusing them. And now they start to think, maybe I could just go back to the way it was and I won't experience all of these things. And now the writer steps in and he says, come on, you, you gotta keep going, but I can't possibly keep going. Come on, you gotta, you gotta keep working, but I can't possibly keep working. This is too challenging. This is too difficult. I feel alone at times. I'm tired. I'm weary. I'm broken. I'm hurting. How long can I do this, Lord? You, you ever been there? How long can I keep this faith? And this is where the writer genius, geniusly brings us back to all of those who have gone on before us, as well as pointing us to the one who is ahead of us. And he introduces something to them that they understand, and that is a word, write it down, endurance. Endurance. He says, let me, let me remind you of something, someone, some, some people, and let's talk about endurance. In fact, um, we can't necessarily say that the writer was Paul, but we assume the writer was Paul of the book of Hebrews. Paul uses a lot of athletic terms. He, he talks a lot about sports. In fact, if Paul were alive today, he would no doubt have a subscription um, to Apple TV's MLS so he can watch Lionel Messi uh, destroy everybody in the MLS. You know, he would have a subscription to ESPN. I mean, he would be, he would be all about sports. He'd be waking up with his coffee, reading the, the sports newspaper. He talks a lot about it because the Greeks and the Romans were all about it. They were highly involved in in, in training. They were highly involved in athletics. It was a, an honor to represent your country and to compete for your country, to win for your country was an extremely humbling and patriotic thing to do. I wish I could say that about everybody who represents our country. Not everybody does. And if I could tell them that there are other countries that they could represent, they could, but it's an honor to represent your country. So Paul talks a lot about athletics. He talks about words like, he says words like training. He's talking now about endurance because the Jewish people, he's, he's giving them this image that this is a foot race and you're gonna, some of you are gonna do this really well and you're gonna receive a prize. You're gonna do it better than others, but some of you are, are just, are really gonna struggle. Some of you are gonna be walking into heaven with your leg dragging, you know, like, God, I barely made it. And uh, this is who Paul is, in, this is who the writer's encouraging today. You're weary, you're, you're hurting, you're tired. You're thinking about giving up. And he brings us back to something in verse 12, or, or sorry, verse one of chapter 12. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Now I'll stop there for a second. Notice the word says for us. This is a race that you have to run. Don't run anybody else's race. You wanna run somebody else's race? You're gonna get the burdens that they have running that race. This is the race that you have to run. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, verse two, the author, the pioneer, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and what? And lose hearts. Now, there's a few things that we get from here. We have some summary statements that lead us to some conclusions. If you remember a couple weeks ago, we had some Summary statements, since this happened, here's what you ought to do. This is what's taking place now. 
But I want to go back to the first thing that he reminds them about, which is in chapter 11, when he says, therefore, you are surrounded by all these people in chapter 11. You are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Who, were, who was this great cloud of witnesses? It was all the people in the hall of faith. Abrahams, the Isaacs, the Jacobs, the Rahabs, all the great men and women, 20 or so people, that had faith. He says, you're surrounded by these people. In fact, what you have in verse 40, God has planned, this is chapter 11, verse 40, God had planned something better for you so that only together with you, they would be made perfect. What was the difference between us and them? They did all these great things by faith. What have I done? I've heard all these stories. What have I done, God? They will write a book about me one day, and it'll have zero pages, uh, because who cares? I mean, like, God, what have I done compared to what they have done? Well, I'll tell you what they've done. They had faith, but they operated in faith, looking forward to something. Who was that something? The Messiah. You and I, we don't look forward to the Messiah. We look back to what he already did and accomplished and fulfilled. So we operate in faith a little bit differently. They were, looking, they were looking ahead. Now, graciously and thankfully, we get to look behind at what he already accomplished. So they were committed for the faith, but they didn't receive what was promised. You now have received what was promised. Now you operate a little bit differently. And now you know that these, these, these clouds of witnesses, these people are here. Look what they've done. They've gone before you. They've accomplished great things. But don't. Don't assume that they're walking with you. Maybe as a representation, you could assume they're cheering you on. They're the Jenny shouting, run, Christian, run. I've achieved it, you can achieve it. I've received the prize, you can receive the prize. Somebody say run, run. Now that you know who has gone before you, let's run. Three things, I'm gonna go old school today if that's all right. Old school and uh, give you three points. Um, by the way, everything that we read in Scripture, every person that we read in Scripture, every story, every analogy is here to give you a great deal of spiritual help. You realize that? Not, not everything, Jacob, everything. Paul said in Romans 15, 4, for everything that was written in the past was written to what? Teach us. So that through endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So let me give you three things. I'll give them to you up front right now. Number one, as we uh, profess Christ, as we live for Christ, we're gonna run without any hindrance. Number two, we're gonna run without any distractions. And number three, we are going to run without letting up, okay? So number one, for all my note takers out there, number one, run without any hindrance. Verse one, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I love what the King James Version, the New King James Version, the ESV says, let us lay aside every weight. How many know that you can't do the things God has called you to do with excess weight? And all those people that had doctors that subscribed them as overweight said, amen. Come on, in Jesus' name, may I lose, I can't live a lifestyle with love handles, God. Let me lose the weight, please, in Jesus' name. That's what your scripture says. How are you supposed to run with God when you have things weighing you down? I remember seeing this guy run on the side of the street. He had like a bulletproof vest on and he was sprinting. And immediately I think, oh my gosh, this cop has not only lost his weapon, but he's lost his shirt. And where is he running from? Who's chasing him? Is this the criminal? 
But the truth is, people like that run for fun. He's training for some war that I don't know about. He's wearing this bulletproof vest and he's running to train because that's what athletes do. They wear things like that to train. But I think that they want to make fun of everybody who's driving while eating. Not even once considering the fact of running, ever, ever. That, that has to be a sin to have that desire to, to run. Um, that can't be. And, and then to add extra weight. I carry my five-year-old and after 10 seconds, I'm like, son, I have to set you down because daddy is going to die if I continue to carry. God, had, God gave you two legs to walk. And you think that I have to carry you. Mom will carry you, okay? She's, she's got, I'm just kidding. Uh, you, how do you expect to run the race that God has called you to run when you're carrying weight that you're not supposed to carry? What kind of weight are you carrying that's hindering you? If I'm to run without any hindrance, what kind of weight are you carrying? Perhaps it's friends that you know that you need to get rid of. And they, they are bringing you down. You say, hey, I want to go to church. They say, no, let's sleep in. Hey, man, I want to go to this small group. No, nah, we don't need to go to a small group. That's weird. Hey, man, I'm, I'm going to listen to some worship music today. Now nah, we're listening to this. What kind of friends do you have that are weighing you down, that are not allowing you to run how God has called you to run? What about a relationship? Maybe you have a relationship in this room. And you're, you know for a fact that God is not pleased with your relationship. And you're asking that question, God, I, I, want, I want to marry so-and-so. I want to be with so-and-so. They make me feel great. They please me. And God is like, I have not honored that. I have not blessed that. And that relationship is weighing you down. It's keeping you from the things of God. What about debt? I've been there. What about debt? Man, God, I want to be a generous giver. You've called, us, you've called me to give, and I want to give and give, but I, I don't have anything. In fact, what I have, I have a lot of this, and that's debt. God, would you free me of this? This weight is holding me back. God, I want to do great things for your kingdom. I want to supply. I want to give resources to the kingdom, but I can't because I'm weighed down. What kind of weight do you have that you need to set aside because it's hindering you? But notice that it doesn't just say weight. It goes on to say sin. Let us throw everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Okay, so we, got, we have weight and now we have sin. How can you freely run for God when you have weight weighing you down and when you got sin holding you back? Now it says thus then, the writer's not talking about a particular sin, but for you it might be a particular sin. If I were to ask you this question, what's that one sin that you know that if, that if you could get rid of today would change how you live for God? What is it? That's the sin. In Proverbs, it says, in Proverbs 5.22, the evil deeds of the wicked ensnare us. They trap us. It says the cords of their sins hold them fast. What is that weight? What is that sin in your life that you know, God, if you remove today, I could live for you in a greater way. God, if you would, would allow me to get rid of this, show me how to get rid of this, I no longer want to be trapped. I no longer want to be held back. God, I want to run. In fact, let me pray for us right now, Father. I pray right now in this moment that you would help us identify what that weight is and what that sin is. Because some of us may be here saying, that ain't me, he's not talking to me, but deep down inside we know there is something, something very little, something not that big, but over time we'll get big. Over time we'll destroy us, we'll eat at us. So Father, what is that weight? What is that sin? Would you help us identify that today? And would we give it to you and say, God, take this. Take this from me in Jesus' name, amen.
Let's rid ourselves of any hindrances. Then it goes on, number two, let's run without distractions. Verse two, it says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter, or the pioneer and the perfecter of our, what? Our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How, how do you expect to run with God when you're not focused on God? If, if Jesus is with me and he's where I'm headed, yet I can't seem to look at him because I'm so distracted by everything else. I got so many other things in my life. You know, we live in South Florida. There are so many distractions down here. There's so many other things you can do. Why would I go to church on Sunday? Man, I can go to the beach. I could, I could hang out in the sun and die of heat exhaustion, right? I mean, you could do that, or you could come to church in the AC. There's so many distractions. Let me go back to Numbers chapter four, you know, because oftentimes the writer of Hebrews will, will bring the people back to their ancestors, and he'll say, listen, you guys are doing the same things that your ancestors did. You know, mom may say to me, listen, your father's already made that mistake. You wanna make that same mistake? You wanna go down that same path? Just look at, look at what happened. And so, if you go back to Numbers chapter four, you have the Israelites who are just really frustrated with God. They're in the, the wandering years. And they're like, God, what's going on? What are you doing here? We're so angry at you for bringing us here. And God's like, I took you out of slavery and you're complaining. I gave you food from, from above and from below and you're complaining. I gave you water from a rock and you're complaining. Look what I did. Yet they were ungrateful. And God's like, I'm gonna send venomous snakes to, to, to bite you and kill you. The Bible says. And of course, we know Moses and Aaron and the priesthood becomes that mediator between the wrath of God and the sin of man. And so Moses is like, God, 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 hold up. And God's like, hold on, Moses, I'm, I'm, I'm throwing snakes out to the people. And God's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Moses is like, yeah, about the snake thing, the snake thing. I, I have a question. <laughs> I'm just imagining this conversation happening with Moses and God. Just go with me there. Imagine. Yeah, yeah, um, um, God, I don't know if you know this, but people don't really like snakes. Really? I didn't, I didn't think of that. Uh, yeah, they don't like snakes, especially venomous ones, especially venomous ones. I saw a little snake in my house, in my garage, not my house, my garage the other day, and I'm like screaming like a girl, and then I took a shovel and my kids, and then I was like, come on, guys, get it out, let's go, you know. Uh, like, you, anybody gets bit, it's not gonna be daddy, okay? But yeah, God, the snakes things don't work for people. And God's like, all right, Moses. Make another snake. Another snake, I just told you, people don't like snakes, God. No, no, make another snake, a bronze snake, put it on a pole, and anybody who looks at it will be healed. And that's what they did. He built a bronze snake, put it on a pole, and everybody who was bit looked at it, was healed. Now, there's a few things, a few principles we can get from this story. Let me give you one principle here. Um, don't always assume and don't always blame people for putting you where you were at when it was your sin that put you there. You can't always blame people. Man, it's your fault, your fault. God's like, it was your sin. And my scripture says that where there is sin, there is disobedience and there is discipline. And so I'm, I'm disciplining you. In fact, that's what we're gonna talk about next week. Now, if you know more about this story, you fast forward to 2 Kings. There's a point where uh, you know, the Israelites are tearing down a bunch of these idols. And one of the idols that they tear down in 2 Kings 18 is a bronze snake on a pole. Which tells me that the thing that healed them 
that saved them, they assumed would be the thing that would sustain them. But don't all, here's the principle. Don't always assume that what God decides to use to save you is going to sustain you. He may use a church. He may use somebody. He may use a pastor. He may use a song. Many of us have different experiences with what brought us to God. Obviously, it was Jesus drawing all people near to him. But there was an encounter you had with somebody or something. And you go back to that moment and that was it. It was that song. It was that scripture. It was that church. But don't idolize the thing that brought you to Christ. Because, like I said, there is no room on that shelf for another object of worship other than God. Now, this would be a foreshadow of not just that which would save them, but that which would sustain them. And it wasn't going to be an idol. It wasn't going to be a, a snake. It was going to be who? Jesus. So, which leads me to the principle of the story in Numbers. Looking unto Jesus will not only save you, but it'll stain, sustain you. It was a single act for these Israelites to look at that snake that healed them. And many Christians today, we are living a faith based upon a single decision we made all those years ago. And that's it. I looked to Jesus when I was eight years old. Ah, ah, yeah, 20 years ago is when I came to Christ. And you're still living in that moment when you came to Christ. And you have... You have taken this phrase, looking unto Jesus, as a one-time thing, but it has not become an everyday thing. In my younger years, I did it. Now it's all in my brain. Like, well, your brain is messed up. You know, so what, what are you thinking? You're going to just live based upon what's in here? Do you really know who God is? Because if you know who he is, then you know where he is. And he's not just somebody who has saved you, but he is somebody who is, will sustain you. And don't think that you just need to read this a couple times, put it aside, and then do every, whatever else you got to do. And you think everything else you got to do is going to sustain you. I heard a pastor say recently, hey, you may have heard this. It's time, pastors, to put your Bibles aside and pick up the Constitution and read that in your sermons. And I'm like, I like the Constitution, but put that aside and read that in sermons? I mean, a little far-fetched. I don't want to crucify the man, but I just, I heard that and I'm like scratching my head because this is how many of us live. What better thing can I find other than this that's going to tell me what I want? What other thing other than this is going to sustain me? Jesus is your sustainer, church. He is your sustainer. You don't need anybody else. You don't need to look to anything else. Look to Jesus. He not only saved you, but he will sustain you. But here's the thing. Here's what they're understanding, is that Jesus wasn't just some great example, but he was their future destination. Write that down. It might be a word for somebody today. He's not just your great example. He's your final destination. We often treat him just like he's, he did great things. What did he do? Let's look at what he did. He's a great example. We treat him like a vending machine, like I need him now, let me put a dollar in and select those numbers and get what I need to get. We treat him like a dictionary sometimes. God, I just need a word today. Give me a word. Show me which word you want me to talk about. And that's how we treat him. He's not just a great example. He's our final destination. This is why Paul said to the church in Colossae, he didn't say set your minds on things around you, but he said set your minds on what? Set your minds on things above not on earthly things, but set your minds on things above. It's time for somebody today to stop looking around for things that'll keep you, sustain you. It's time to get, get away from this and stop looking in your phone, get your head out of your phone and start looking to God for everything. 
You got questions, look to Jesus. You got, you got problems, look to Jesus. You got issues, look to Jesus. Because you can tell a lot by uh, how somebody is thinking by where they are looking. And Isaiah 26, 3 says, you will keep me in perfect peace, God, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Remember Peter when he was in the boat? I knew you were going to go to that Peter story when he was in the boat and he was looking at Jesus. You remember when God said, Jesus said, come. Peter said, all right. He hopped out of that boat. He starts walking on water. And we always crucify Peter because he took his eyes off Jesus, but we never seem to crucify the disciples who didn't have enough faith to step out of the boat. So Peter steps out of the boat and he's looking at Jesus. And he starts walking on water. And then what happens to Peter? He starts to sink. Well, why did, he, why did he start to sink? Because he became fearful. Well, why did he become fearful? The Bible says when he saw the wind, he became fearful and he began to sink. Now, let me ask you this. Can you see wind? What is this man looking at? Sure, there might have been wind. Wind is real. There might have been waves. But that was already there. It wasn't that the wind just appeared and then he saw it. The wind was already there. It wasn't that the circumstance all of a sudden appeared. It was that he started to notice the circumstance that was already there. I, I can see Jesus. I'm stepping out of the faith. I'm stepping out of the boat in faith and I see you. I'm looking at you and I'm doing something that nobody else could. And then I took my eyes off you. And then I put my eyes on everything else. What are you fixing your eyes on? That isn't God. What are you looking at? Where are you going to? What shows are you turning on? Man, I just need to reset today. Netflix, give me a new show. Amazon Prime, what you got for me today? Sometimes I scroll through everything on Netflix. I've spent an hour just looking through what I want to watch. And I'm like, man, I'm tired. I didn't even watch anything. I just looked at something that I, I watched so many trailers on those, on those streaming services. I'm like, man, I, I haven't watched anything and I'm tired now. And by the time I start watching something, I'm falling asleep. Anybody relate to that? What are you looking at? I wonder, if it, I wonder what it would look like if we came home and we're like, God, I'm just so stressed. <sighs> Where's the remote? This isn't the remote. This is the Bible. God, are you wanting me to read the Bible? I mean, what if we came home instead of grabbing that drink, instead of turning on that show? We said, Lord, right now, today, I'm weary. I'm broken. I'm tired. But I am going to fix my eyes on you. What would change? What would change about you? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Run without any distractions. What's distracting you? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, this is verse 2. Look, look at what he did. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. But now look where he sits. He sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. We do a great job of talking about the death and the resurrection, and we're so passionate about that, and we always will be. But sometimes we forget about the ascension and what happened after. It's like we think that the resurrection was, that was it. Or the ascension was some departure. Bye, Jesus. We'll see you when you care about us enough to come back and save us. Hopefully soon. Not soon. Let me have kids. You know, I want to do that thing first. Uh, so come back when you, when you can. That's just what we assume, that he's just up there. Just watching us, saying, God, are we here yet? 
Are we here yet, God? Are we here yet? No. Are we here yet, God? No. When are you sending me? Not yet. But, but God's, or Jesus' ascension wasn't, wasn't a departure, but it was an arrival to sit at the throne room of God. The right, do you know the power that he has at the right hand of the throne room of God? He sits on the majesty on high. I mean, when he ascended, he just defeated hell, death, and the grave. He comes waltzing into heaven. Everybody is cheering. The angels are screaming and shouting, Jesus. And now he takes his rightful position next to the throne room of the majesty on high. This is where he has. Somebody say, he's got power. He has power. Don't just fix your eyes on what he did. Fix your eyes on where he sits. Where he sits. Everybody else that I see that I know that does great things, where are they at? They're, they're in a grave. They're dead. Every other God that people like to talk about, where are they at? They're dead. They're in a grave. Where's my God? Where's my Jesus? He's seated at the right hand of his father and he has all authority and power to do whatever he wants and whatever he pleases. And he's given me that same authority and same power. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You wanna, you wanna walk around without any distractions? Remind the devil where your God sits. Remind him the power that he has. He didn't just defeat you a couple thousand years ago. He's still defeating you. And one day he's going to defeat you even more. And just, just get ready, Satan. Get ready, enemy. I mean, remind him of where, of where your Lord sits. Consider him, verse 3. Let's move on. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. It gets lonely at times being a believer. And nobody believes the same things I believe. I'm in the locker room, Jacob, and I trying to listen to my own music. I've got my Bible, but people are making fun of me. Think about the opposition that Jesus went through. Spit on, beat, flogged. Eventually he was sent off to die on a cross for you and for me. Think about that opposition. Now think about what you're experiencing. Now the scripture is going to go on to talk about a lot of things. Things that we will not get to today. Things that we will hit next week. But think about what he did and now remind yourself, God, I've got to run without letting up. If, if, if he'd done it till the end, and he's asking me to do it till the end, then I have got to do it till the end. It's easy to grow weary and to lose heart when you are running. It's easy to give up, especially for these Hebrew believers who are facing persecution. It's easy. You're trying to run, you're trying to keep going, but everything gets at you. Your mind starts telling yourself things and we listen way too much to our consciousness and to our mind rather than what Jesus says. And I do think a lot of what our mind may tell us, if we are in Christ, is good and we should listen to that. But those who are not in Christ, you're like, I'm just following my heart. I mean, your heart is deceitful. That's what the Bible says. Follow who's in your heart, Jesus. I was running, I did a Murph challenge. You know that Murph challenge uh, they do every like, Memorial Day? You run a mile, then you do a bunch of push-ups, air squats, pull-ups, and then you run another mile. It's not like, we'll torture you one time, you know? We'll torture you again. That's just what this challenge is. And so I did it with a bunch of buddies, and I ran the mile. And I was like, I'm impressed. I actually ran a mile. And then I did all these workouts, and then I ran the next mile. The problem with the next mile was that the first mile, I was running it with people. It was great. But then the next mile, I was running by myself. And I was tired. 
I had no idea I could run. I had no idea I could do some of those things. I don't even know how I did it. And I suffered for it after that. But I'm sitting there thinking, nobody's around me. And that shaded tree looks really nice right now. And I could, uh, I could just sit around. And I did. I walked a bit. I think I completed my second mile in 20 minutes. It was a success for me, <laughs> at least. I had nobody cheer me on. Where was Jenny? Run, Jacob, run. Where was my wife in the car behind me? You know, I was like, I always watch things. I'm like, I would never do that because my wife would literally accidentally run me over if I fell. She, and she wouldn't know. She'd just run me over. Where, where's my husband at? You know? So, uh, so I want to give you a couple things, practical things, and then we'll pray. Because here's what we do know. We're, we're running the race with perseverance that's marked out for us. And Paul says uh, in 2 Timothy, he says, I've run this race and because I've run this race, I've fought the fight, and I've kept the faith. And because I've kept the faith, there now is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, he will award to me. I'm just imagine the, the, the examples he's using. You finish the race, you step on the pedestal, and, he, and, and God is like, here is your crown. I've won. I have won. This is where we will be at some point. But you've got to finish the race. You've got to finish. Do you, do you want to do well? Do you want to run well? If you, if you want to run fast, then run alone. But you want to run far? Do it together. This is the first thing I want to give you. The three little practical things here. Number one, don't run alone. Don't run alone. It, it's not fun running alone. Especially when you're hurting. Especially when you, you have nobody there next to you to cheer you on and say, hey, listen, I'm here for you. And th this is where we talk about things like small groups. And, you know, we've, we have a small group that's starting here this month. And it's a grief share small group. And something that we preach in our, uh, in our growth track is that your trouble will equal somebody else's comfort. The things that you've gone through in life God is going to use to help people who will also go through the same things. You've been depressed, you've been divorced, you've got debt, you've got struggles, addictions. Don't think that God isn't gonna use you because you have that. Nothing will disqualify you. In fact, God will now say that qualifies you to now go and minister to those who are struggling. And so we've got a grief share, small group that's gonna launch. And if you're like, and I'm struggling with grief, I need somebody to help me. We have a wonderful lady here who's gonna run this who's been through a lot, lost her husband, and is gonna be here to help. And so don't do this alone. Don't think you can do it alone. Don't think you can, you can be by yourself and think, I'm gonna be okay. Because isolation will destroy you. Isolation will cause you to consider giving up and going right back to where you left. You said, I wanna leave sin. I wanna crucify my flesh. Yeah, try doing that in isolation. Try doing that with no no body of Christ around you. Some of you have tried and you got only certain, you only, you only got so far until you realized you had to come back. You had to come back to church. You had to go back to that small group. You had to get back around some of those believers. Here's the second thing. Don't run while looking back. So, okay, I, I know I need to run with people. Don't run alone, but don't, don't run with looking back. You don't see runners with a rear view mirror, do you? Could you imagine they had a rear view mirror over their head running, making sure? When you run back, what do you do? You start to slow down. Not only that, but you convince yourself, that shaded tree looks nice over there. You know, I could sit. 
I could hang out for a bit, just for a little bit. And eventually you've convinced yourself to have highlighted and elevated what has happened in the past opposed to what God is going to do in the future. It was never meant for these people in the hall of faith for us to put them on pedestals and worship them. Abraham has done great things. Isaac, Jacob, Rahab, they've done great things. Let's worship them. That was never the case. The writer was bringing these people up to tell you they've done it, so can you. And let what they've done be an encouragement to you. But don't be so fixated on them where you're looking back at them that you forget to look ahead. If you work out here, you might have a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger on your, on your wall. But not Arnold Schwarzenegger now. You, you got a picture of him when he was in his 20s or 30s. But now he doesn't look like that. If you're a Christian, you might have a picture of Jesus on the cross as he saved you. But I wonder if you have a picture of him seated at the throne room of God where all authority and power is within him. You got that picture? Look ahead. Look ahead. So don't run alone. Don't run um, while looking back. And thirdly, don't run without being disciplined. You gotta be disciplined. You gotta be disciplined. If you want stamina, you gotta have discipline. You want, you want longevity, you gotta have discipline. You want endurance, you gotta have discipline. Are you, are you training for this? Are you working your faith out? Are you exercising this faith muscle that you have? No, I got saved when I was eight and that's good enough for me. But what happens when you experience problems, issues and things that arise that now you're in your 40s and you're, you're, you're trying to fight an enemy with an eight-year-old faith? Because there's, no, there's been no discipline. I would love, and I hear this all the time, every time the Olympics come around, I would love for us to throw in a couple just average Joes in there, you know, average people, average guys, like to race against these. I, would, I really wanna see how good these people are in the Olympics. I really wanna see how fast they are. So put me in there, let me run. Let's see the speed, I just wanna see that because that'd be a great difference because there's a great discipline difference. It was Paul in 1 Corinthians who said, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. This is 1 Corinthians 9, 26. But I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Are you training? Are you positioning yourself? Are you preparing yourself? If you fail to discipline, you fail to endure. Are you exercising that faith muscle? Are you exercising that knowledge muscle? Are you trying to discover more about God? Are you trying to dig deeper into the things of God so you can be deeper rooted when the, when the waves come? You can be deeper focused when the wind, ar when, when the wind rises? And can, can you be focused so on God and so deeply rooted in God that nothing will sway you? This is why we're talking about foundation this year. This is the word for the year, foundation. If I can be, if I can be rooted in Christ, it doesn't matter what the devil throws at my way. It doesn't matter what kind of neighbor I have next door, testing my patience. I wanna call the cops, but God, I'm gonna call on you. I'm gonna trust in you. It doesn't matter if I don't make the, the team or I get cut or I don't make, get the job, it doesn't matter. If the relationship doesn't work out, I trust in you, I have faith, I have faith. Because I'm not running for moments. I'm running, running for eternity. I'm running 
I'm running to the end till I breathe my last breath. I'm running to the end. Anybody wanna run to the end with me? You wanna run to the end with me? Would you stand to your feet? You wanna run. Man, you're tired of, you're tired of walking, you're tired of waiting, you're tired of sitting around and, and, and you're weary now, you're broken, you're, you're hurting, you're bruised, you're, you're asking all the, the, the wrong questions. And maybe today, God is wanting you to start asking the right questions. Maybe he's just wanting you to do the right thing. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Jacob, man, that's, I've got so much weight that I need to get rid of. I've got so much sin in my life that I need to get rid of. I know exactly what it is, man. I need, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray for me. Maybe you're here and you have so many distractions and you know exactly what they are. And tomorrow they could be gone, but you've really got to consider what you might lose, some friends, a relationship, some money, but they're distractions to you and you're not running well with God because you've, you've fixated on all these distractions. Or maybe you're getting in your older years and you're really questioning now. You've ran so well for many years and now you're coming to the point. You're almost at the end. I don't wanna say you're at the end of your life today. I'm just saying you're getting to that point and you're saying, I got grandkids now. I'm retired, but God, I don't wanna stop running. I wanna keep going. Give me an extra passion in my bones. A lot of fire underneath me, God. I may be 67 years old, but I got a passion inside of me. I may be in my 80s, but I got passion inside of me, God. Help me to run well, I wanna finish well. I don't want on my tombstone to be a, a failure of a father or a failure of a husband. I want it to say a God-honoring man or woman who finished the race. And in heaven, I'm gonna receive the crown of righteousness. I don't wanna fail you, God, I don't wanna fail you. Help me run well, help me run. I wanna be a good father, I wanna be a great husband, I wanna be a good spouse. I wanna be a good teacher, I wanna be a good minister, I wanna be a good employer, God, help me, Lord, help me run well. And I wanna run not just to show people what I can do, but I wanna run so I can show them who you are and what you've done in my life. And so when they ask me, how are you running so well? I can say it's only because of God. It's only because of God. Can we sing something right now in this moment? Just maybe close your eyes and something you've heard for many, many years. Very simple. our prayer team to would you make your way to the front out mom would you make your way up to the front i want to ask if anybody in this room as we're singing you need some prayer 
because you've got a lot of distractions, you need some prayer because there's a lot hindering you from running, I want you to come forward. I want, just come to the altar. Don't wait on anybody. Just come right now. Come on. We'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. Let us pray for you. Julie, can you come? Sean, can you come? Come on, keep singing that. Keep singing that. Let us pray for you. Let us pray for you. Sean, can you pray for you? And if nobody's here for you, just come pray. You know what it is. You know what you need to lay before him. You need, you know exactly what it is that you need to tell him. You've been turning everywhere else except Jesus. Come on, one more time. Would you just lift your voice? Would you say turn? Come on, everybody in this room. Turn your eyes. Yes, Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Oh, we look full to your wonderful in his wonderful things. And the things of earth will go strangely dim. And the things of earth will go yes. But you will not. You will not. Yeah. Come on, sing worthy of it all. You're worthy, Father. Yes, you're worthy of it all, Jesus. Worthy of it all. I wonder if there's anybody in this room online you're saying Jacob I, I'm feeling God tugging at my heart and I don't know who he is and I don't know who Jesus is but I'm feeling like I just need to say something I need to confess something I need to surrender if that's you today I want to invite you to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior the Bible's clear that there is sin in your life that separates you from God but God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you so that you may be saved and spared from eternal death and all he says is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that he's Lord and that he loves you and he has a plan for you. And the scripture says that you will be saved. And so if that's you, I want to pray a prayer with you. Would you invite Jesus into your life? It's not a prayer that saves you that you have to pray, but it's this moment right now that you're inviting God into your life. If that's you, would you repeat after me? Would you say, Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin." Cleanse me new. Give me a new heart, a new spirit. From this day on, I will serve you. I will worship you. From this day on, you are my father, and I am your child. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, can we give praise for those people that made that prayer? Come on, sing, he's worthy. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.